communion meditation is from uh, Ezekiel 33, if you want to turn there. We'll be reading uh, verses 10 and 11 from Ezekiel 33. Therefore you, O son of man, say to the house of Israel, thus you say, if our transgression and our sins lie upon us and we pine away in them, how can we then live? Say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we are so blessed to be here today in the assembly, taking time to confess our sins, to find healing, and to do all this in the context of worship. Help us to grasp the significance that, that that these words in the Bible are from you. They're living and active. They will never fade away. Thank you for this table that we're about to come to. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the message that the Lord wants us to see from the Scripture today as we come to the table is simply this. God prefers mercy over wrath. God prefers mercy over wrath. God prefers salvation over death. God delights in mercy. Well, this is really part two of my communion meditation from about a month ago, and that communion meditation was titled, The Hatred of God. You may remember that. We went through some verses that specifically mentioned that God hates and what He hates. We talked about how author Pink brought out the point that there are more references in the Bible to anger, to fury, and to the wrath of God than there are to His love and tenderness. And we did mention, though, that regarding the hatred of God, that God God wants to be known not by His hatred but by His love. And that's why we see And John, where he says, God is love. And we talked about God's abatement of His anger by His Son. But today, let's talk a little bit more about the mercy of God. God prefers mercy over wrath. Well, the first thing we want to see in how God prefers mercy over wrath is that the Bible actually compares God's mercy to His punishment in quantifiable terms. He stacks them up side by side, puts them on a a scale, if you would. Turn with me to the Ten Commandments. We've had the Ten Commandments in our liturgy this morning. Turn turn to the Ten Commandments. Um, Children, do do you know where the Ten Commandments are in the Bible? Let me give you a a way to remember. The number ten, Ten Commandments. Multiply that number times two. You get twenty. And now you have to remember that it's in Exodus. So Exodus chapter 20. Well, that's good. But you know what? If you want to go further and have have bonus points, there's another place in the Bible where the Ten Commandments are. You take ten, and this time you divide them by two. You get five. And Deuteronomy chapter 5 is the other place. But let's, let's turn to Exodus chapter 20 today. There is a real gem here in the Ten Commandments that I think the Lord wants us to see today. 
So Exodus chapter 20, and we're going to read verses 4 through 6. You shall not make for yourselves a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. So, three or four generations of those who hate him, a thousand to those who love him. Now, the New King James doesn't say generations here, but the, the men who know the Hebrew construct and language, parallelism and all that, tell us that it really means generations. And that's actually the way it's translated in the NIV. So we've got three to four generations versus ten generations. So let's do some math. Visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. So we see, the, we see this today. The God-haters are, are, are still with us today, right? But three to four times. But showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. So we have four versus a thousand. So we've been doing some, some math today. So that means that God's mercy is 250 times greater than His, than his punishment in generational terms, which really means in a, in a redemptive, gospel-advancing, covenant-keeping sense. Now, what I'm, I'm using here is an illustration of an illustration, right? So, but I don't want to take this too far and say that God's mercy is exactly 250 times His, his judgment. But the clear thing that the Bible wants us to see is that it's a lot greater. In Texan, it's translated a whole mess of mercy. There's a lot of mercy. So it is quantifiable. God, God prefers mercy over wrath. You know, the Kaisers bless me so, so many times. The, the Kaiser clan blesses me by quoting Psalm 103 often. And this is what verse 8 says there. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy. Joe used um, Psalm 103 in his prayer this morning to talk about the mercy of God. The mercy of God is important to God. He wants us to know it. It's so important that Jesus gave some homework to the Pharisees on this. Did you know that Jesus gave homework? Matthew chapter 9, verse 13. He said to the Pharisees, But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. He says, Go home. I want you to do a book report on God's mercy from Hosea. It must be very important. Mercy is very important to God. Well, we could go on, but I, I, I just want to give one refutation and then one application of God's mercy. A refutation. I think we need to say something about God's mercy. God's mercy does not mean that He ignores His law or permits us to do so. God's mercy does not mean that He ignores His law or permits us to do so. Many people 
today think that the love of God and the mercy of God means that he doesn't care about his commandments. The idea is that God is so focused on his love and mercy that he overlooks the law. He sort of upgrades his concern. I was talking to a man not long ago at our county courthouse. That is the VA administrator, the Veterans Affair Administrator. I, I don't know what these people do, but they seem to have a lot of time. I, I don't know if they're volunteers or what, but especially in a rural county like mine, this is a man who has some time on his hand. Well, we got onto the topic of veterans' benefits, and I told him how I think some of those veterans' benefits are legitimate, but some are not legitimate. And those that are not legitimate go beyond the Scripture, go beyond the jurisdiction of the civil magistrate, and because they're taxed, they're stealing. And I said, well, that, that breaks the commandments of the Scripture. And he said, no, it doesn't. There are only two commandments in the Scripture. Love God and love your neighbor. Well, of course, I said, no, sir. That, that isn't what it says, and that's not what it means. I told him, of course, that that says that these are the greatest commandments and that these are the sum of all the commandments. And also, when we talk about loving, we can't just come up with our own idea of love. Right? We have to go to the Scripture. What does the Scripture say that love in? And love says that we love Him, you know this, by obeying Him. So law is perfect. God is completely just all the time that He is merciful. He looks upon His Son, who positively did the work perfectly for us. And that's the only way it can be done. A.W. Pink said this, Mercy presupposes sin. And it's really pretty simple. If you don't have law, you don't have sin. And if you don't have sin, well, mercy is really not needed. So we saw this in, in what we read today in, in, the, in the Ten Commandments. But showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. So let's remember, the mercy and the love of God does not mean He ignores His commandments. It is the gospel that brings it all together. The good news of the gospel is that God is willing to show us mercy over the sin that we have committed. Psalm 85.10, mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. So that's one refutation. Let's not misunderstand the greatness of God's mercy. One application in four parts, quick parts. God's mercy is a motivating factor for evangelism, for discipleship, for relationships, and for cultural renewal. I just, we could go into all those things, but I just want to show how we take this theology and make it practical. It's, it's, here's what it is. God is sovereign over everything. And God prefers mercy over wrath. Take that. Use it in your evangelism. Because there's a positive... I mean, God's on, God's on the side of mercy here. Use it for discipleship. Use it for relationships, difficulties in relationships. Use it for cultural renewal. And I, and I will expand just a little bit on this today because of where we are this week. I know it's been a difficult week. And we look at our culture around us, but let's see what the Scripture said. Let's remember that God will punish the haters of God to the third and fourth generation. And that's a good thing. 
God's a just God. He will do that. But he also wants us to know that in the midst of this, that 250 times more, he will show mercy to those who love him. So mercy is a wonderful backdrop in which we engage all of these things because we know that God prefers mercy. And so there is hope for us. And that's what we see in the table today. So I hope that we see that the hatred of God is there. It's in the Scripture. But God prefers mercy over wrath. Let's think about that as we come to His table. And let's pray. To God, we are so glad that you prefer mercy over wrath. We, we know that the wrath comes about because of us and our sin. That your mercy is of your own initiative and your own grace. We thank you for giving us the specifics of mercy in the Scripture. We thank you for providing mercy as a backdrop for everything we do and say and think and feel, live. Help us to know deep down that your mercy is greater and help us to dine with you in light of this truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.